Welcome back to North Andover. Lawler Rink here on the campus of Merrimack with a score at the end of two is Northeastern three. Merrimack one. I'm Mike Magnick with John Leahy. Second intermission tonight is brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Mike McMahon joins us from the MacReport.com, also the Eagle Tribune and College Hockey News. And Well, Mike, uh, two periods of play here. You know, said coming in, Merrimack would be out shooting Northeastern 24-11 and uh, you know, had some pretty darn good looks, especially on the power play. You probably think that they had a pretty good chance in this game, but down by two at the end of two. Uh, really, the difference, power play, Northeastern two goals on the power play. Merrimack's had some good looks, but not been able to break through. Power play's been the difference, yeah. No, I totally agree. Like I said, two for three in the power play. And they scored some quick ones, too. I mean, that last power play goal will score probably about six or seven seconds, and I'm not sure exactly how long in the penalty, but not long into it. So, uh, power play's been the difference, and, and here we are, like I said, 3-1 game, in a game where you're out shooting them 23-11. Kind of odd. You know, a statistical oddity, I think, in that sense. I mean, I think coming off of last night, uh, if you want to bounce back from last night and coming home, you certainly want to do that. They've done an awful lot of things. You know, I talked with Mark Denny after the game last night, said, you guys did a lot of good things, didn't end up with the win, though, and I feel like the same thing, they're setting up for the same thing again here tonight if they're not able to come back in the third. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, they've had a lot of time in the offensive zone, a lot. Uh, it's the first period and the second period, but uh, for whatever reason, you know, it's just, they're struggling to find to find the back of the net. And it's been that way for a little bit. I mean, it's kind of funny when you look at their, their scoring average, it's about two and a half goals per game, which is pretty good. Uh, but I, I think in four of the last seven games, they've scored one goal or less. You know, so it's just, it's, it, the average is kind of thrown with a, a six-goal game in there, a couple of five-goal games against Duluth and UMass. So the, the average looks okay, but they've, they've had too many performances where they just haven't been able to do anything offensively. I, I don't know exactly how many, but I, I looked at the last seven I did last night. Four out of your last seven, you score one goal or less. Like, that's that's where they're struggling. And the average looks okay, but, it's again, it's kind of bumped up with some, some bigger performances. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a feast of family this year, right? The same is true, really, for the power play. You know, we can talk about 7-14 coming into the weekend and so on. You know, you talk about, as you said, you know, they've had, it really seems like either they score one or they score five. And, uh, you know, they have had four games where they've scored five or more. And, and all the other games, I believe, except for maybe one, it's been uh, one or two or zero. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> how do you explain that? I don't know. And the frustrating, I think, part about it, if you're if you're the Warriors, are the nights where you scored five or six. Uh, those have been the nights where you don't really have the defense. You know, you, you yeah, give two of those two of those ended up in tie. Yeah, I mean, you score five goals or more in three games, and you tie two of them, and, and you win one of them. I mean, that's that's usually not not what happens. Yeah, Bentley and UMass, they won those two. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. They had two of them. Right? But then the two ties, the tie, right, the tie with Providence, the tie at Minnesota Duluth. Absolutely. I mean, that game in Minnesota Duluth, they had to come back, of course, but with a 5-4 lead in the final minutes, it feels like, okay, you know, they're going to pull out a win on the road against a pretty good team and then they end up, you know, giving it up. It seems like a team that's playing. I mean, I really, you know, we've seen it before, right? A team that needs to learn how to win. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, that's we, we've talked about it with teams that they just they don't get over that hurdle. And some of them never do. Uh, you know, there's been real talented teams in other places in the past where you think that they're going to break through, and just for whatever reason, they you know that that group never does. Mike uh, Drew Vogler in the net for the first time since October 27th. He's made a couple of big saves in this game. What are your thoughts on his play? Yeah, he made a big save there in the, in the middle of the second period. I forget who it was on, but uh, and then he had a couple of nice saves on Grandet, I think, earlier in the game too. It's kind of, it's kind of a tough situation for him. You know, to come in and 
hasn't played since October 27th, I think it was. And so over over a month, we haven't seen any action. I'm sure that's uh, that could be tough. But uh, yeah, I think he's coming in. He's played well. I mean, two of those goals on the power play. Uh, it's tough to blame the goaltender on power play goals. I think even if they are kind of clean looks. So and then the other one, the Godet goal. Uh, you, you know, he kind of swoops around in the neutral zone. I feel like someone you know should have been able to pick him up as he comes in over the blue line. So uh, tough couple of goals, but uh, again, he hasn't played in a while either. I think got a shot from the left circle there too. Got deflected. And a defenseman was trying to get the stick up on him, and I think got a piece of it. That might have had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, yeah, we wanted to actually uh, shift gears here just a little bit and talk about some other things we didn't get to touch on last night. You've been following uh, the situation with, for example, uh, Fenway Park or with the, the Friendship Force. So let's let's touch on that. First of all, uh, Fenway Park, it sounds like the, there may be another round of Frozen Fenway coming up in the next uh, couple of years. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's going to be ni- um, January of 2020, so the 1920 season. Uh, I don't know exactly who the teams are. I was actually talking to someone that works with Fenway Sports Group earlier this week who said that they are bringing it back. I think we're doing a there every year. That's a little easier of a transition. Turning the field over for football than it is for hockey. But uh, yeah, I think it's January 20th. Hurling too. Did you get a chance to watch hurling? I did actually. What did you think of that? I thought it was interesting. I didn't really understand it, but uh, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it sounds like they're going to be back January 2020. And then if you look at the rotation of teams, because Hockey East has done a pretty good job of, of splitting that up and making sure that everybody gets, a, you know, everyone gets a shot at playing games there. Uh, Merrimack would be on that list of teams to go next. So it would, I, I would imagine. Imagine, you know that they would be one of the teams that goes back. That could be interesting. Last time they played Providence, you know, maybe you see a Merrimack Lowell game, for instance. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, the Merrimack Valley teams coming together there. I uh, also wonder whether or not it would end up being a non-league game like it was last time against Providence. You know, I, I think that's smart. You know, to play a league game, in a, you never know what the conditions are going to be. We've seen those games where I think when Merrimack was there, it was what under. It was in the single digits, and it was really cold, and the ice get messed up. We've seen games at Fenway where it's been 65 and raining, yeah. and the ice gets messed up, so why, why chance it? And that's what happened that one year, was that, that it was the doubleheader that day where Merrimack played Providence, it was actually very, very cold, and then and then a week later, uh, as I recall, uh, Merrimack traveled up to Maine, we're up there and watching the game, might have been Maine, might have been Vermont, or something like that, and uh, and watching the games on TV, and it, had, it was raining, and the, and, the, and the rink was a mess, so absolutely, I agree, uh, league points on the line, it's really tough to have those be, have that, you know, have it be in a game like that where you just don't know what the condition's going to be, but the other thing, I want to ask you about friendship for third year of it now, just finishing up. Again, appeared to be very, very successful watching a couple of the games on TV, as I know you did as well. Uh, so the next year, the, the the slate is already in place for the fourth year of the friendship for. Um, Sound like it's going to continue? It does. I, I was talking to Josh the, uh, Josh Sagan from College Hockey News. He was actually over there. He was over in uh, over in Europe on a, on a vacation, and he checked out the games. And he said they had 5,000 people on both nights, which is great. And uh, yeah, no, it sounds like it's going to continue. You know, I don't know. I don't know who the teams are going to be. Uh, you know, ECAC and Hockey East have been splitting it up, but uh, it, it, I think it, I think they're going to find a way to keep it going because it's been successful. You know, they keep bringing the people in. It's not like it was a one-time thing, and they've got you know 500 people going to these things now. They still pack the building. So if they're gonna if they're gonna come out for it, it makes sense to keep doing it. And uh, at least at this point, we're going uh, after next year. There'll be three hockey teams that didn't may, haven't been there yet: BC, uh, New Hampshire, and Merrimack. So you got to think that if they do extend it, it's going to be for at least another two years. They've been doing this on two-year runs, and and if that happens, then you you got to figure that those three teams are at the top of the list to go. So if you're listening, you're a Merrimack fan. You you know keep that Thanksgiving week.
weekend open in, uh, where would it be, 2019 and 2020, possibly one of those two years, if you want to be able to make that trip over to Northern Ireland, because everything that and I've heard about it, you know, from Josh and other people, is that it's it's really been a terrific trip. Yeah, every coach that's gone over there has raved about it, so uh, I think it's, you know, in, it's kind of a weird week. I mean, look, at Providence is playing this week. They were in Belfast a week ago. They're playing this weekend, but uh, they go over there. I think Providence actually left the Sunday after that game here at, at Merrimack, so they uh, they were out there the whole week, and, and they have some time to see the sights, but also uh, obviously get ready for a couple of games that weekend. Well, Maine went over, too, and they're playing uh, this weekend yeah. as well, so. Yeah, and the ECAC teams are as well. I think RPI played last night as well. Is Clarkson off? I, I knew RPI was playing. So. Um, you know, watching Northeastern this week and have a first chance to have a, get a look at them up front, you got to figure, if they're key players especially, I mean, up and down the lineup, I think they played, they've been very solid, but especially if their their best players continue to play the way that they've been playing. Mark Denny said earlier this week he thought they were the most talented team in the league. It's in a season where there's no team that's really separating themselves from the rest in Hockey East, but, you know, they look like a team that certainly has got to be among those uh, few that has a, a, an outstanding chance to at least to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, with them, I think it comes down to whether or not they get the goaltending. And Caden Primo's given them the goaltending the last couple. He's the, he's, he's the real deal. He's the all rookie goaltender in my mind so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was the big question of whether or not he was going to be able to be that. Uh, because, you know, they, they've had they've had decent goaltending in the past. Even the year they won Hockey East, they didn't have, uh, I wouldn't say they had the best goaltending in the league. You know, they were really sort of carried by some good play in the second half and in their offense uh, with guys like Aston Reese and Kevin Waugh. So uh, if they can get the goaltending, they're going to be the most dangerous team in the league, I think, because you're right. You look, whether it's non-conference record, however you want to measure how strong the league is, it does look like this is a weaker year for the league. I wouldn't be surprised if Hockey's only gets three teams in. So uh, it's wide open, and they, I think, have the most offensive talent. It'll be interesting. You know, there's still some teams, though. I think BU is a team that could come together late. You know, there's a lot of younger guys there, and, of course, a lot of talent there as well. Um, So they could be a team that comes on late. We've seen BC go on a little bit of a run, but uh, Northeastern, I think, has has not only might have the most talent in the league, that talent is also experienced. You know, Adam Gottjad, Dylan Sikor, those guys have been around. They're not freshmen. Like, like BU's most better, BU's better players are freshmen and sophomores. That's not the case with Northeastern. So, I really think they can make some noise. Alright, thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. Uh, anything big coming up this week? Uh, no. Not that I can think of, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Check it out anyway, we'll right? Because you never know. We'll see what the week brings. <laughs> Alright, thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com and the Eagle Tree and College Hockey News as well. The score after two, Northeastern three, Merrimack one. Back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.